This is a Propaganda Report special report. I'm Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. We have been covering on our daily show, the Drive Time News Blast, the coronavirus from the day it news emerged, escaped from the black hole of media in China. Spread. It spread like a virus, this horrible news. And we've been talking about what's been going on and also what what a strange resemblance it bears to something that happened just a month before first news of the coronavirus came out. This is something that we've been talking about a lot. It's called Event 201. And we've had a lot of requests for kind of the information all in one place. Since we do a daily show, we've kind of every day introduced stuff that's relevant to the news of the day. But we want to give a recap of this what it was, how it's relevant, and kind of put a line in the sand of where we are right now. It's February 24th, 2020, and here is where we stand. In October 2019, the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Johns Hopkins came together and conducted in New York City a live simulation of a worldwide novel coronavirus pandemic. The details were that a coronavirus, which is a common flu virus of many strains, that one found in pigs in Brazil transferred or morphed so that it could go from from animals to humans, entered the farmer community, then spread to healthcare workers, then had human-to-human contact. It morphed. It had mild flu-like symptoms with a devastating and even fatal impact when it turned into pneumonia in vulnerable populations. For about six months, it looked like it was under control and that it was cordoned off or kind of limited to some hot areas. But after that, from month six to 18, it took fire. It especially spread in poverty stricken areas of very big cities in South America. This is the simulation, correct? Yeah, this is the simulation where people did not have the kind of nutrition and sanitation that you need to fight these things naturally. So the point of the simulation, the stated point, all this stuff is up there. It's event 201. The stated point of the simulation was to demonstrate to all the people who could do something about it, businesses, international organizations, governments, everybody who has a stake in the world handling something as disruptive as a worldwide pandemic, which in the live simulation killed 65 million people, showing them, demonstrating to them how unprepared we were and putting together a list of action items that should be put in place before a pandemic actually does strike. Now, in November of 2019, Netflix put out an episode of their show Explained called The Next Pandemic, where, of all people, Bill Gates talks about something just like this. There's even a cutaway to bats. So the live simulation was pigs to to humans. The coronavirus, the novel coronavirus that actually did emerge in November was a bat virus, supposedly, but it came to humans through a wet food market, in China, where they have exotic animals and people interacting with their 
dead carcasses. There's a report now out of China saying that it did not originate there. They're, they do not believe it originated there anymore. Yes, I did see that they were starting to change that story. But in the beginning, it did yeah. have that. And then there was also an interesting tweet I got that said it's wouldn't surprise me if one of the agenda items they're trying to tick off is how eating animals is so unsanitary and dangerous for human beings. And of course, I don't necessarily think not eating animals is better for human beings. So what they wanted to do was the World Economic Forum, for people who don't know, this is how I think of these foundations, think tanks. When we're talking us versus them, when I say they, which I do a lot, This is a prime example of a subset of they at the very highest levels, but there are a lot of they. The World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates are they. This Johns Hopkins is definitely a they. I've talked about them before. And that and what they what they want are, I think, different ones of these different organizations, different think tanks, different foundations are kind of own, have silos of different purposes. The World Economic Forum, their main purpose, their stated goal for 50 years already has been to bring public and private sectors together to achieve their agenda. There's nothing short of that. There's nothing democratic about what they want, about their policy suggestions. In this case, in this event to a one thing, they brought 15 people together at a roundtable, and these were high-level representatives of the U.N., of the CDC of China, of the CDC of the U.S., of Johnson & Johnson, of Henry Schein, who's a um, medical supply producer. The financial authority of Singapore was one of the guys. I think he was there for like, hey, you should arrest people who say things you don't like. You know, And that is what he said. So they're, they're, it's not a democratic process. They're bringing, they're bringing together leaders of international organizations, governments, government agencies, businesses to come up with a plan and then figure out a way to get that plan implemented. That was in the simulation where where that was, correct? Yes. Now let me read you something from the World Health Organization. Who was also a part of it. Mike Ryan was the guy at the, from WHO at the event 201 in, in October. Yes. This is last week from the World Health Organization. World experts and funders set priorities for COVID-19 research. Leading health experts from around the world have been meeting at the World Health Organization's Geneva headquarters to identify the gaps and to accelerate the and fund prior research in order to stop the outbreak and present future outbreaks. It goes on to say the two-day forum was convened uh, for strategy for developing drugs and vaccines in order to stop the epidemic, and then they said... This outbreak is a test of solidarity, political, financial, and scientific. We need to come together to fight a common enemy that does not respect borders. Ensure that we have the resources necessary to bring this outbreak to an end and bring our best science to the forefront to find shared answers to shared problems. There's a lot there. Information sharing is definitely on the agenda also. What, what they were saying and what you're saying absolutely ties into it. The very first thing right out of the box, and I, I must have read, read this 10 times already, and only just this last time I read it did it really click what they were saying. What they were saying is they want, they want the private and public sector to put or, uh, agreements in place ahead of a pandemic that can be implemented in case of emergency that will address legal barriers to action. And I just blew my mind. I was like, oh, so you're saying that you're going to circumvent the law 
for what's a, quote, global emergency. It's bad enough that we have emergency actions, emergency powers here that can suspend our laws. They want to do it on a public, private, uh, supra-governmental level. I just saw an article a little while ago about how quarantining masses in the United States is going to be a legal nightmare. So I presume they're already considering ways around those. You know who the villains will be? The villains will be starting with libertarians, and then it'll move on to anybody who wears a MAGA hat, anybody who has a gun. Conspiracy theorists. It's really a a problem that people have guns because you can't quarantine them without a court order. You can't go in and you can't just drag them off because they have guns. That's going to be a big problem. I bet gun control comes into it. What was the thing? Oh, conspiracy theorists. That's actually a big part of it. Are we going to talk about that in a sec? But- the the these agreements are supposed to be public, private, local, global. They want to co-opt. They not only want to co-opt business leaders and everybody to do what they need to do to prepare. They want to convince govern uh, businessmen to lobby governments. So you got to remember that's the source of all evil, in my opinion. Like, is that you take I, I people? This is why capitalism quote gets a bad name. Capitalism is capitalism. You. Make a little extra, you take your extra food, you give it to somebody to build a bigger thing for you so you can make more stuff in it. That's capitalism. But when, quote, capitalists go and try to co-opt government to to fulfill their agenda, that's fascism or cronyism or whatever. And it's a terrible evil. And that's what these guys are behind. And, And they're convincing them that it's the only way. And of course, when it... You know, if that's what's in place, then if you don't go on, you know, you either go along with it or you get left behind. Not that these guys would be above it at that point, this global level of Johnson & Johnson stuff. So so here are some of the... One of the things... First of all, they want to have a global preparedness monitoring board to... Yeah, global preparedness monitoring board to kind of usher through these policies and their implementation that some of the quotes were in this round table of 15 people in the live simulation was that they really need a war footing, a martial approach, which means, you know, martial is war. And like martial arts, that's what they mean when they say martial. And it's a war footing. So they're talking about, when they're talking about some circumventing legal issues they're talking about rights and liberties and protections so uh, it starts with so there's call to action a seven a seven point call to action it's boring to just read them all i'll just like tell you what they are and you can as you hear them you'll know that they were any article you've read has some of this stuff in it either the qualities that were in the live simulation or stuff that supports this call to action the kind of first one was to manufacture, distribute, and get approval for population-level experimental vaccines. So they want enough vaccines. They want to be able to push through the manufacturing and distribution and the legal approval. They want to suspend liability. They want to suspend regulations or at least get around them for experimental vaccines that they want to be able to give to everyone 
at work at once, and they want to get ahead of that by stockpiling some of those crucial elements now. They call it, I think, a, a virtual stockpile, and they want to up that in a hurry, including subsidies from government, which I assume would go to pharma. China has been challenging their tech companies, not only in the surveillance aspect of it, but in medical companies to quickly come up with a vaccine, almost a arms race to come up with a vaccine in wake of the threat. And a story out today is about how monkeys have been infected at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, and they are now trying to figure out how to cure the monkeys that they have given the coronavirus to, to come up with a vaccine. I did see two other vaccine. One was rushed through in China. The other is an American company that's hitting barriers. They can't use the standard protocols for testing. They can't they can't seem to get a control group or or a group that hasn't. I mean, it's just I it's a flag to me when they come up and say we can't get we can't follow the normal protocols. We're just in too much of a hurry. It's this like kind of reminiscence of the precautionary principle for climate change. We can't wait for the science. But of course, if you object to climate change, they say, well, you don't believe in the science. Like, but I thought you said we can't wait for the science. Shut up. Which You're going it? to jail. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. We're getting to that one. So this is something that's very interesting to me. Two, two of them kind of back to back. One was to keep trade and travel going. What they wanted to demonstrate was that governments and businesses would shut down manufacturing. They would shut down retail, consumer-facing retail. They would shut down international travel. They would do all of these things excessively. And it would have a terrible, devastating impact on the economy and on money flows, the flow of goods and people. And what they are emphasizing in this item and the next one is that they don't want that to happen. They want there to be protocols in place. They don't want overreaction. They want workers who, critical workers, to be able to function in personal protective gear. They want government subsidies to support critical trade routes, including liability protections for keeping things going. And what this reminded me of is Nazi Germany, where if you look back, like Krupp, you know, some of these companies were big manufacturers in Germany before, during, and after the war. Whereas individuals lost everything because of the Nazis, somehow the money never stopped flowing, the banks never shut down, these companies stood that and remained on top. And I, I can't help but feel like with this emphasis, what they're trying to do is if there is a pandemic, and maybe, you know, if you want to go down the conspiracy route, maybe there will be a pandemic, maybe they want it, maybe they really do want that as a substitute for war, like they talk about in the report from Iron Mountain, which I highly recommend. One of the purposes of war is to cull the population. If they're going to use a pandemic for that, they want to remain on top. There's a separation of what happens to the population and where the money is. That continuity, the report from Iron Mountain was about continuity of the hierarchy of the triangle. Keep people at the bottom, keep people at the top. So the emphasis on this seems to me to be an emphasis on keeping the people at the top insulated. Now, they will also say it's you want trade and commerce and everything to continue. It's better for you. But I would say it's even more better for them. And then the next item similarly folds into that. It says, keep the money flowing no matter what. Print it, stimulate, expand, fund 
across borders to make sure that critical banks, critical economies have emergency international financial support. This stuff is all supposed to be in place, in place going into the next pandemic. So that brings us to the role of the conspiracy theory for the next action item. And this is the one that I think people really focus on. We did an interview with Spiro from the Activist Post. That was a great one. And he had done a lot of work on this element, which is censorship, media censorship. What they ask for, what the call to action is, this is the one that's really scary. They want traditional media, social media, influencers, business leaders, faith leaders, all of those to promote the official narrative and suppress misinformation and disinformation, even to the point of arresting people who spread misinformation. And in the simulation, one of the, I think it was the UN chick said, there's, we can already see the devastating impact on trust in government, whatever, from anti-vaxxers. There's basically too many anti-vaxxers out there already. And this is the kind of conspiracy theory stuff that we're going to be battling. And they and they outline in this live simulation that the conspiracy theories that have been floating around are that big pharma, big government has for some reason, maybe to make money or whatever, generated. They, I think they focus on saying that it was big pharma who wanted to sell vaccines. And that does insulate the notion that a government was involved or offers an alternative that isn't so obviously the same as the conspiracy theory that does emerge. When they say that, that those conspiracy theories have gotten people angry, have created protest mobs, and have made it impossible to, to respond to the pandemic. Now, we know that there's a lot of conspiracy theories coming out that say this was created in a bioweapons lab and that it, it either leaked or maybe even was cooked up by government. And this exact kind of scenario is unfolding in the here and now. Yeah, and in China, there's been talk of the death penalty for people who spread information that they say is not accurate and could be harmful to other people. And Facebook is already censoring the hashtag coronavirus on Instagram and might, maybe even on Facebook. I'm not sure. I know it's on Instagram. To try and they did, stop bad yeah. information, to present the correct information. And today, on the situation report on the World Health Organization, they release a situation report every day. Today, one of the focuses is that there has been an increase in public stigmatization among specific populations. And it goes on to say that to combat this, that people need to, they need to reach out to influencers and they need to reach out to governments and media key influencers in those communities and they need to get basically on the same page and make their communication intentional and thoughtful on social media. They actually say influencers in the Event 201 thing. Says it right here on World Health Organization too. Yeah, and they say that they need, they actually call out social media and tell them that they have to suppress this stuff, push it down, use technological means to control the information, go to faith, faith leader, stuff like that. So Yeah, that's what it says here. Yeah, so I have a list, and chime in if something comes to your mind. I just jotted down, just off the top of my head, stuff that I've seen in the news, basically one or more of these things every single day, 
that uh, that is reminiscent of or echoes the event 201 scenario. So uh, medical supply shortage, they were talking about uh, the masks. There was uh, so many people that said to me, like, you know, they're running short of masks. In China, they're producing in the hundreds of millions and the demand is up in the billions. That's why people wow. in China are putting the skins of fruit and I guess in their girlfriend's brawls and <laughs> plastic jugs on their head. Actually, there should be enough bras for everybody. If every chick takes their bra and cuts, cuts it, in, it half, in half, right? She gets what? Crisis solved. Crisis averted. Yeah. But there. But one of the events, well, one thing said that you should that we wanted. They wanted to test out where the medical supply shortages were. It's interesting that it's in face masks because even the World Health Health Organization website says that face mask is not been proven, there's no evidence to prove that it is going to protect somebody who does not have the virus, that it is more effective from stopping someone who has the virus from spreading it, yet this means of protection is the primary way people in China are trying to prevent themselves from catching it. Even the government is encouraging people. They have drones following people around, telling them to wear their mask. Yet this has not been proven to be an effective method. And even someone from the CDC said that this could, in fact, make the spread worse because it would cause people to not do the other precautionary means, give them a false sense of security, and cause them to spread the virus. And in China, because there's a shortage of, shortage of masks, people are wearing the same mask for six <laughs> and seven days at a time. And having a wet, dirty thing full of human particulates <laughs> on your face yeah. is in no question it is not more sanitary than breathing air. <laughs> so one thing they say about Wuhan is that it, the reason it is it may be so much worse there than anyone else is because of their pollution, because of their environmental factors. And that, and people are vulnerable. If you live in a place that's really polluted a lot, it's people who have bronchial problems, asthma, bronchitis, pneumonia, stuff like that, who are most vulnerable to a respiratory illness turning into something fatal like pneumonia. So that is actually an important point to make, that when they want to really, really scare us about a flu, they're always talking about epidemics, pandemics that have happened 100 years ago or more, and a couple of factors there is, I'm not 100% sure we really know in these legends what exactly that stuff was, how many people were really diagnosed with it, and like, and that goes to what's happening right now too, but also nutrition, sanitation, all of those things really, really factor in to how that stuff spread, and I would say it's virtually impossible for a truly parallel situation to emerge now, which is why I think Event 201 said that it would come from an inner city where, in my mind, they're describing people who lived the way, who live now the way most of us lived or our ancestors lived 100 years ago in those kind of cities. And, and what's interesting, and I think this was true then, and they're making it true now, even though it doesn't have to be, is that they were in the beginning diagnosing it by going to a lab and looking and saying, oh, this is the novel coronavirus. This is not existing coronavirus. This isn't a regular flu. This isn't a pneumonia we've had before. They changed the criteria from lab to clinical. So now it's like if you seem like you have the flu, they might be able to just call it the novel coronavirus. If you have pneumonia, they can call it that without saying it. And they've changed those clinical parameters six times last time I looked. And there's two issues with that. One is 
you change the type one error, which excludes some cases of novel coronavirus, into a type two error, which includes cases that are not the novel coronavirus. So it's going to automatically overstate the number. And, and then also it gets to where people start panicking and then you can just classify all. So I would like to see the, I would like to see the numbers of, of, if you look at like last year's number of flu and pneumonia and deaths from flu and deaths from pneumonia, I would like to see how much it has increased. And then I would attribute that to this being an exceptional illness, but I haven't seen any kind of comparative and not that I necessarily believe stats that come out of the government. And it also, when they change it around like that, it is dramatically uh, increasing the variability of the numbers that you're getting. So you really can't look at trends over time. You have no idea of vectors, trajectories, and if it's getting worse or better. And the confusion around the diagnostics is it demands that some global organization step in and set those standards so that there's not confusion among different countries so you can get an accurate count and so there won't be any misreporting. So all the mess-ups, the screw-ups, it all demands we need a global organization, a centralized group to come in and take over. Absolutely. And individual governments are screwing up from Japan to the U.S. Japan screwed up with the Diamond Princess ship <laughs> yeah. and the U.S. screwed up by evacuating it. In and every just country. Through yeah. incompetence. Yes. Yeah. So they're talking all about. So the governments are being highlighted as anywhere from incompetent like Japan and the U.S. to evil like China for trying to suppress the news and then for over. Uh, uh, over monitoring, over they're spraying people in the face with like bug spray they're and they're tracking their house people. with the drones. Yeah. All this stuff. I don't know how much I believe or not believe, but the propaganda is what's important if you're looking at it through the lens of this event 201, which was designed to create demand for implementing this call to action, including legal liability and regulatory uh, leeway. And mass surveillance and censorship as well, as Absolute. we talked about. Information sharing, yep. I saw Across an article borders. on, I think it was Foreign Policy, that was praising China's response, their authoritarian-type response, totalitarian. It was just draconian, I believe, is one of the best ways to describe it. And saying that what they did was buy us time to prepare. And what I'm starting to see and hear about in the news is other countries – Starting off with smaller efforts to track and mass surveil people, and those are increasing as the fear increases. So I think we're going to see more and more of those similar type of mass surveillance methods going on around the world. And the fear increases when you have this totally loosey-goosey way of diagnosing, and you have these wild swings, and it's getting better. No, it's getting worse. It's getting better. It's getting worse. Oh, my gosh. So this is really freaking people out. And of course, today, the the absolute panic that's sweeping the markets, which was straight out of an Event 201 fake newscast, absolutely, that is a self-perpetuating thing. This kind of, And then people will start saying, do whatever you have to do to stop this thing. Yeah. When it's your retirement money, You'll you just will panic and you'll give you'll give up. It's that fear thing. I always say that that uh, the left has they prey upon the left for their uh, because of their fiscal insecurity. So they don't have enough. So they they like I need welfare. I don't have enough. But they prey on the right 
for their physical insecurity because they're like, I have stuff, I need to protect it. Now, I don't think that's actually true, especially nowadays when the kind of script is getting flipped with all that. But when they start making you afraid for your stuff or your person, now these are the legitimate kind of Murray Rothbard, don't touch me or my stuff, the legitimate function of government. Ultimately, that's still the touchstone. If you want people to to consent to government, you get them afraid that them their person or their property is in danger. So there there are a few more things that I noticed that are like kind of in the news all the time. Well, one is like an overarching thing that started rolling out immediately. Extreme reactions to to the fear right away, including interference in international travel, factory shutting down, transportation, retail outlets. And I remember Starbucks and Apple and some global airlines were leading the way on this. And that to me is kind of a flag. Like those guys, you can see them often uh, participating in a politically motivated event. Yeah. So you see that. Uh, the Yes, we were talking about rapid response clinical trials for experimental vaccines. That's straight out of Event 201 and the pages of the Wall Street Journal. That relates to the gain-of-function research that is speculated that this virus might have come from some gain-of-function research. Here's a quick description of it. Gain-of-function studies with a great potential to enhance the transmissibility or deadliness of potential pandemic pathogens have raised biosafety and biosecurity concerns. And back in 2014, we put a ban on federal funding of -of gain-of-function research. However, that ban was lifted in 2017, and in that three years when that ban was in place, there were, I think, 10 exceptions where studies were given federal funding. One of them was a coronavirus study that took a coronavirus that originated from a bat, a Chinese bat, I believe it was. No way. And they made that coronavirus able to transmit from bats to humans. They made it more deadly. They created essentially what is being described (laughs) is being spread right now. I don't, I'm not saying it's the same one. I'm saying it's very, very similar in the way it's described. And we have created that in labs. Well, this is the stuff. It's also Wuhan is where that their only Chinese level four bioweapons lab is, right? And and here's the thing. Event 201 requires conspiracy theories that really interfere with faith in the government and in the health response. Because if people don't cooperate, you have this quarantine problem that you're talking about. What you need is faith in government, faith in the health, in order for people to just get in line, get their shots, get locked up in a FEMA camp or whatever, And if you don't have that, they are saying that this is a crisis that stimulates the need for this martial law. So the items that you're, that like Senator Cotton, even the White House is promoting, kind of validating that the bioweapons lab is there, what you're talking about, this gain of function research, which I'm sure is valid, is all part of the conspiracy theories that are emerging to support the very thing Event 201 anticipated and used to justify their recommendations of suppressing information, either through media or even like in your own church. I mean, they want to tell church leaders, they actually identified faith leaders as people they want to help control the message because they're trusted. They actually use the words trusted influencers. Yeah, that's straight out of the Edward Bernays propaganda (laughs) book from the early 20s, tried and true method. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So whether this is real or fake or created or or whatever, a crisis that isn't going to waste, the propaganda is the important thing. It's what people believe and what they intend to do with that belief, what right. they intend to do with people's emotions and mindset. So uh, they it had a major impact on market and global economy. That was another one. Conspiracy theories and misinformation lead, led to protests, which we, what we saw in Hong Kong, for example, for starters. It's protests a, in Hong Kong against the clinics. It was they call them anti-virus clinic protesters. This is an interesting way to characterize it. I'm just a little bit baffled about the idea of protesting a clinic where they're the reason they're protesting is because they did not want people brought into the country. They the healthcare workers in Hong Kong were actually on strike trying to they wanted complete shutdown of people coming in from China. And why would you protest a place, a building? Why would you put yourself where all the people who are infected are? Yeah. This doesn't seem like a smart thing to do, but people are so angry, that's what they're doing. Well, that's funny that you should bring that in about keeping people out. Like today in Alabama, they, the Alabamians you had a uh, celebrated a victory and credited Trump with helping them keep these nasty corona people out. And one of the things that's mentioned in the event 201 is that racism and xenophobia was often the response to people who got the coronavirus. In that case, it was Latin, but now it's Asian. So and we're seeing uh, stories pop up of Asian people getting attacked on subways, get having slurs yelled at them. I saw one where there was a question about whether or not it was going to be a hate crime because somebody got into a fight with an Asian person. And they were yelling, they were yelling like disease. Is this in the subway? Yes. Okay, I got that, right? So somebody, whatever my five, I literally get five headlines on my whatever Google News search. That was one of them. Yeah. So that is being shoved down our throats. Absolutely no question. There are even parodies made of it though, like coughing while Asian. I've seen that. So the yeah. guy runs around and like he like clears the line at Starbucks. <laughs> he goes and gets you know, the hot ticket. So it says also, I mean, we talked about this earlier in the show, help businesses visualize the impact of a pandemic on their performance, use technology to suppress non-authorized information, and especially to generate anger towards governments. Because Event 201 was saying if you can see the impact on social breakdown, on losing faith in government, you can see how you need to have this stuff all buttoned up ahead of time so Governments seem competent and viable, and by demonstrating all the reactions to the governments that are happening now from everything from the incompetence to the overreach is demonstrating to the governments themselves and even to business leaders and stuff that really this is a disaster. We can't have this. This is anarchy, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wanted to give a note on the nomenclature. We've talked about how it went from novel coronavirus to COVID-19 to SARS coronavirus 2. And JJ, yes, exactly. SARS coronavirus, the sequel. JJ clarified because he's in England and the SARS thing is what I saw they were calling it in England. It's actually, so they changed the name from novel coronavirus to COVID-19, it looked like. And I thought perhaps because Event 201 actually called the live simulated pandemic from October 2019, a month before the real one was unleashed, I actually called it the novel coronavirus. And then we were calling it that in November. So 
COVID-19 is the illness, that you have coronavirus disease that emerged in 2019 is an illness. SARS, which is severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2 is a virus, is a strain. So one is the illness and one is the virus. Is I this guess like, like AIDS, AIDS and, HIV? and HIV? Yeah, I guess so. But I'm not going there right now. Right. Although I am reading Inventing the AIDS Virus by Peter Duesberg, and it is a page turner. So, okay, let's see. I think that's it. I mean, just, I don't know if we covered it, but I feel like this, I've been waiting for about six months ago, I started talking about it on my show, after a noteworthy speech by Powell, maybe it wasn't even six months ago, the Fed guy that we were in the longest expansion in American history, certainly in peacetime, but, well, I guess it would always be peacetime for an expansion. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, so we're in the very long expansion, 11-year expansion. And I was, and our interest rates, our Fed funds rates are below 2%. And I thought, that is really weird. So I looked back, and all the previous expansions at the end, the interest rates are much higher. And every single one of them, when it hits recession, this is how the Keynesians do, they take the interest rate down by an average, I think, of like 5%. And that kind of hyper-stimulates the economy. We don't have 5% to go. It looks like if they want to follow that same pattern, if this crashes like every, every expansion so far within this paradigm does, then what, what they normally do, they really won't be able to do. That's when people say, like, you have no tools left in your toolbox. What are you going to do? Here, this is when you're going to find out what happens when you have no tools left in your toolbox. But they would have to just admit that Keynesianism has been this slow steady decline to this inevitability and that would make them have to answer for it. So, but I expected it. I figured they'll push it until Trump gets reelected because they want him there for whatever reason, even if just the reason is to blame the crash on him. But then coronavirus came along and I feel like that is a big part of what coronavirus is going to, it's not only a substitute for war, but it seems to be a substitute for economic economic cycles for the economic crash. Anyway, so I just feel like that's what is happening right now. I hope that the Event 201 simulation has is no longer going live, that what is predicted in the Event 201 thing, which means that this coronavirus thing is has another year to it and is only going to get worse, that would be pretty terrible. I've seen stories where they are saying that the coronavirus is not going to go away at the end of this season, that it will be back next year. Very interesting. What else? Do you think we missed anything else about this? Those, those, uh, we've certainly done a lot uh, of shows on this. Monica Perez show on WSB, Drive Time News Blast on the Propaganda Report feed. We did the interview with Spiro that he, um, Activist Post put up and he put on his own channel. And I think we've got... Uh, the, the Event 201 videos themselves, it's like five hours of fake newscasts. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Fake newscasts that you could plug right in to what we're seeing right now on television, and you would think it's real. Here's the thing. So we were playing this stuff on WSB, where we have a radio show, and I actually got a little nervous 
as we were playing it because it sounds so real, like exactly what's happening. And then at the end, she's like, and 65 million people died. I'm like, whoa, it's like a War of the Worlds thing where people are just going to be like, what do you mean 65 million people died? It's like they plugged in the same <laughs> script into the prompter for what we're seeing in the news right now. Yeah, I mean, other and, than and the 65 knows? million part. There may be a smoking gun moment where someone just like reads the wrong lines or says, oh, that building just fell down. I mean, wait, now. Now the building, now the just building fell, down. fell down. Right. <laughs> I think that was a great overview. Some of the, the more details and nuanced stuff that are in our shows that we've been doing on it. You can check those out. Thank you, Monica. It's always a pleasure to talk about pandemics with you, Binkley. I wouldn't want to talk about <laughs> pandemics with anyone else. Hopefully this will be our last show, but there might have to be an update in a couple of months. You guys have been listening to the Propaganda Report. We will talk to you next time.